0: Hello and welcome to the Baileys and Barbells podcast. This is your host, Lexis O'Hara. I'm a personal trainer and powerlifting coach specializing in sports performance and fitness nutrition. On this podcast, we talk all things strength and fitness while I sip on some Baileys. So grab your drinks and let's dive on in hello hello my friends we are going to start today's episode off with a question right off the bat we're going to actually ask two questions so the first question is and this isn't a trick question or maybe it is but the question is What is physically happening when we're training or lifting in the gym? Is it A, we are tearing the muscle fibers, or is it B, we are building the muscle fibers? And then the second question, which phase of training do you see muscle growth in? Is it the recovery phase or during rest, or the training phase during your workout? So those are the two questions, and we are going to answer that right now. So the first question is, what is physically happening when you're training? The answer is, you are breaking down the muscle fibers. You are not building muscle in the gym. The second question is, which phase of training do you see muscle growth in? You see your muscle growth not during your workouts. You see your muscle growth during your recovery phase. So that leads us in to today's topic, today's episode, Which is overtraining and why we need recovery for our growth, especially as powerlifters. But this really goes for anyone who's listening. If you're not a powerlifter, if you are just getting started, we all need recovery. Recovery is where we grow, we don't grow during the breakdown phase, we grow. When we are resting so we're going to talk about this today and today i wasn't even supposed to be talking about this so i was just really hyped this morning talking about productivity and how rest and recovery is important to be productive how you shouldn't be go 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 all the time and this was just in reference of training yes but also in reference to work life and you know, the grind and the hustle and how we need recovery. And so that made me get all hyped today. And I was like, I want to talk about that in reference specifically to training as well, because I'm constantly talking about how you have to work hard, how you have to go all in and, you know, follow your training program. But the thing is a part of your program, a huge, huge part of your program is recovery. If you are doing too much, You are working against yourself and not for yourself. So I wanted to talk about that today because I think there's this huge, there's this mindset in society, not just with training, but with everything where you have to be, you know, going hard all the time. And, you know, we'll rest when we're dead. That's the thing that we always hear. I don't agree with that at all whatsoever, because if we're going hard all the time, we're not growing we are just tearing ourselves down literally that is what is happening especially when we're talking about training so if we're constantly tearing our bodies down if we don't have time for recovery you're just broken down you're not you're not growing or progressing so the first thing that we are going to get into is what does a recovery plan involve so there are five things that you want to see in your recovery plan so the first one is going to be nutrition now this has multiple parts to it The first thing we'll talk about with nutrition for recovery is protein when we are breaking those muscles down protein is in charge of repairing that muscle and helping it to grow back bigger and stronger so protein intake specifically is an important one but so is total macro ratios as well as total caloric intake so all of those things you want to Pay attention to, but specifically the protein intake and just total calories. Those are the biggest things. So, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, all of it matters, but there is sort of a tier with that. And then some other things is your vitamins or just your micronutrient balance as well. And sometimes supplements come into play with that. You don't need supplements, but if you are lacking something, supplements are beneficial. And then water intake is important for that nutrition. So, nutrition is a big part of your recovery and then we also have sleep so this is one that i see a lot of people really struggle with especially my clients and i think it's because we all have so much going on in our daily lives even with covid happening or quarantine people are working more than ever right now so work has been crazy you know there's always so much going on in our lives that sometimes we don't get enough sleep and sleep is so important i think on average when i have my clients track some people only get four to five hours of sleep and that is not acceptable for your recovery and for your performance aka for your progress so you want to get on average eight to twelve hours of sleep Eight would be the minimum that I really would accept as an average amount of sleep that my clients get because this is just really the average amount of sleep a normal human should get, let alone an athlete. A more advanced athlete needs 12 hours of sleep, so anywhere from 8 to 12 I would accept as a good amount of sleep and usually my goals that I set for my clients is eight hours. So, It really depends on the person, but 8 to 12 hours of sleep is what we should be getting. It is one of the key factors for your recovery plan, and it also happens to be one of the things that most people really struggle with. So take the time to really plan out your evening and when you're going to go to bed and be strict with it. Try to limit your time on social media or time on your phone or time watching Netflix and maybe read instead, take a bath, find something that helps you really calm down at night. There are tons of things that you can do to help you fall asleep and get better rest, but limiting your screen time is one of the big ones, and that's backed by research as well. So, that is harder, but if you are prioritizing your training and your powerlifting career, then that is something that you really need to take seriously. So, the next one is going to be foam rolling now this is good because it helps to release when you foam roll you're not only just stretching or warming up or cooling down you are releasing that fluid and that tightness in those muscles specifically in that fascia your fascia is just that outer layer of the muscle so when we do this it helps to kind of just release that muscle and we'll talk about this in just a second but Tight muscles oftentimes lead to overtraining and injury, and obviously we want to prevent that. So just making sure that you're actively foam rolling in your program is important. I know that stretching and foam rolling can be tedious. I feel the same exact way. Now you can foam roll on your active recovery days, and that's actually the next one. So having an active recovery day is the next part of your recovery plan and this is also backed by research if we move during our recovery days versus just lay around all day we are going to see better results for our progress but also for our performance in the gym so if we're laying around all day our bodies are getting stiff and that's the opposite of what we want for our recovery and for our performance active recovery days can be something like walking tracking your daily steps is a really good way to do that. Going for a nice light jog. Anything that's low impact movement is good. So this could be low impact cardio or low impact resistance training. So another example, and you'll see this in your deloads, is to do some light bodybuilding movements. So this is more of those accessory movements like bicep curls or, you know, some lat pull downs, something along those lines where it's not a heavy squat bench or deadlift. It's not a compound movement it's more of those isolation movements those types of movements can really really benefit in your recovery and then i just mentioned that deload so a deload is that fifth part of your recovery plan now you don't have a deload often a deload is going to occur every three to six weeks in a training program and it really depends on where you are in your program so if you're in a high intensity or maximal strength block then you are going to see a deload more frequently than you would if you were in maybe a building phase or a volume phase the purpose of a deload is it helps your central nervous system recover in powerlifting you're going to hear this quite often your central nervous system your central nervous system your cns what your cns does in training when it comes to powerlifting is it's really going to control how quickly you physically, your muscles physically contract and react to the load that you're moving. So if our central nervous system is fatigued, you're going to see that technique breakdown. You're going to see a form breakdown. You're going to see you physically getting weaker because of that. When our CNS starts to fatigue, that is when we start to experience overtraining and powerlifting as well. So that's why we want to really focus on all of those other recovery methods as well to make sure that our recovery is efficient, but at some point, regardless of that, we do need a deload in our program. So we need it for that reason. And also in powerlifting, we are using type 2 muscle fibers and more specifically type 2x muscle fibers. So type 2 are just your fast twitch fast reacting muscle fibers. With those type 2x muscle fibers you'll also hear them called type 2b muscle fibers. Those are in charge of just that really high intensity speed and power. So in powerlifting you'll see this more in Olympic weightlifting rather than powerlifting because Even though the sport is called powerlifting, it's not as power-driven as Olympic weightlifting. Personally, I think powerlifting and weightlifting should just be switched the names personally. I think powerlifting should be called weightlifting and weightlifting should be called powerlifting. But that's just my opinion. So, you won't see this as much in powerlifting, but type 2X muscle fibers still are involved in powerlifting. And because these are such fast twitch, fast reacting muscle fibers, they also fatigue a lot faster than just general type two muscle fibers but also type one muscle fibers or slow twitch muscle fibers so that's why they need more recovery and especially in powerlifting those deloads help those fast twitch muscle fibers to kind of just like have a full recovery and that's also why when we do those low impact movements such as your bodybuilding training it's going to be sort of a break on those fast twitch muscle fibers What happens if we don't focus on a proper recovery plan is we will face overtraining. So there's a few signs of that overtraining. Like I said earlier, you're going to see some of that muscle tightness. Now, this is sort of a newer, I guess not necessarily concept, but it's not something that you would hear if we were talking about if you were listening to an overtraining video on YouTube a lot of people won't say muscle tightness, but you'll hear them say injury. So muscle tightness ends up being a sign of injury. So that means that that is also a sign of overtraining. So if you start to feel gradually increased muscle tightness, that's a sign that, hey, let's do some foam rolling as recovery and that will help prevent that injury and overtraining. So that's the big one is if you feel that muscle tightness, stretch and foam roll, take the time to do those things so that you don't overtrain and so that you also improve your performance because we don't ever want, especially we don't want overactive muscles, but we don't want tight muscles because tight muscles are not efficient muscles for performing. Any muscle that is overly tight is not a good thing because that just means that it's not fully capable of going through that full range of motion for your movement, which you can sure bet that is not going to positively affect or impact your training. It will just work against you rather than for you. So that is one of those signs is tightness. Also, you'll see, like I said, injury. And the third one is there's multiple signs, but these are the top three. And resting heart rate is another sign. Now, resting heart rate is kind of a funky one because your resting heart rate can change based off of many things such as stress, anxiety. My resting heart rate is oftentimes all over the place because I struggle with anxiety. A lot of other people do as well. And so you'll see that resting heart rate fluctuate even upon waking. But being able to really track your resting heart rate is something that you should get in the habit of doing because it one is a good indicator of your overall health, which is something we obviously want to make sure of. We want you to be a healthy athlete, but also seeing your resting heart rate gradually increase when you would expect it to at least stay steady or decrease is a sign of overtraining. And again, it's also a sign of maybe not necessarily overtraining, but it's a sign of higher stress, higher anxiety, which those things, those physiological effects on our body affects our recovery and therefore can lead to overtraining so regardless of whether it is a direct sign of overtraining or just an indicator that you are higher in stress stress whether it's good stress or bad stress does play a role in your recovery and whether or not you are facing overtraining so either way even if it's not a direct indicator it is something that you want to pay attention to regardless for your health and for your recovery and so those are the signs now let's get into what is the next thing on our list let's get into Oh, what I monitor for my clients. So some of the things that I have my clients monitor for recovery purposes are sleep, we have nutrition, we have resting heart rate, water intake, and then we have our daily steps and daily activity. So those are all things that we want to pay attention to, like I said, for recovery purposes, but also for you know, ensuring that we're not overtraining or at least getting close to it. So then in addition to that, I also leave a section, a little note section where they can talk about how they felt that week or how they're feeling with their training, with their nutrition, with their recovery and just with their daily life, because all of those things, even though those are more subjective rather than objective metrics that we measure, They're still important because if someone is high stress, just going through a lot, those things will play a role in your recovery. For you, if you're some, you don't have to measure everything so strictly. I do that with my clients because they are paying me to monitor those things and pay attention to those things and consider those things. So, they're here to specifically improve their performance and do better than they would on their own. And so I'm a little more harsh on my clients because I want them to do the best they can and that's why they pay me. But if you're someone who's just getting started and you're not an advanced athlete yet, you're not an advanced powerlifter, you don't have to measure all of those specifically every single day writing those things down like I have my clients do. You can just simply take note of everything. You don't have to write it down. You pay attention to when things start to feel off. That is perfectly fine as well. You don't have to be so uptight about it. You can be because I am, but it's not wrong if you're not your body will give you those signs that I just mentioned of overtraining and it's just important to be aware of them. You're going to feel them. It's not like it's going to be your resting heart rate alone that is increased. You'll know when you're stressed and you'll know when you need to maybe take a step down or maybe you won't. Some people it is harder and it's a little less intuitive, but some are more intuitive. So, you'll kind of get the idea of whether that's you or not, but just really pay attention to those signs and you'll start to know when your body is telling you, hold on, we need to rest because you'll start feeling those weird joint pains, those weird weird muscle pains and something will not feel right and you will know it. And it typically happens very gradually. What's important is that you catch it before it leads to injury or before it leads to something else. Sometimes people get really sick. There's all kinds of things that that can happen. I think, was it Dana Lynn Bailey? I think DLB, she uh, had some crazy overtraining symptoms. I think maybe Brooke Entz as well. So you can also have physical illnesses and more serious issues with overtraining but most people don't go that hard They those are advanced athletes who go hard hard and end up with some serious issues and there also might be some other things involved with that so those are the typical signs now let's get into proper recovery methods now this as always is individual and recovery plans are not just based upon the training program themselves. So for example, if I was to give a client a recovery plan to go with their training program, but I knew nothing about their lifestyle, it likely wouldn't be an effective recovery plan. So each individual is going to require a different recovery plan based off of their lifestyle. The training is just a very small portion of your life and your day. So things like work life, social life, your everyday life, those all play a role on your recovery. So all of those things are the bigger factors that play a role in what your recovery plan should be like in comparison to just the training program alone. Because like I said, it's such a small portion of your recovery and that's why it's more individual. Some people can train five times per week Or even six times per week and have awesome recovery optimal recovery and that is what's optimal for them while someone else might only be able to train three times per week and that is what's most effective and optimal for them so everyone's going to be different lifestyle work life social life all of those factors play a role in what your recovery plan should look like So, if you are trying to create a recovery plan for yourself, just pay attention to those signs and incorporate those five methods for optimizing your recovery and adjusting where needed and pay attention to those metrics as well. So, if you notice that you're only getting six and a half hours of sleep, well, that's an immediate sign that, hey, we should improve our sleep. So all of those things play a role. It's not just one of those individual metrics. It's all of them. You can make improvements as you go. And that will be it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I will catch you in the next one. If you want to learn more about coaching or training and nutrition as a whole, you can head over to www.flexclub.fit and check out all the cool stuff we've got going on over there. And if you guys like today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you went over to iTunes and left us a review. But other than that, I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, guys.